Father, we just thank you for your presence in this place this morning. We, we know this place is used for all kinds of stuff during the week, but Father, you are here and uh, you are present and you're present this morning. And Father, as we look at your word in a moment, we just pray that there will be a, a deep revelation of your fatherhood, your, uh, your father heart for us, your acceptance, your love for us, Father, that we will uh, just as before we leave this place, Father, we just have a, a fresh, just understanding of who you are. Father, I pray that it, it won't just be head knowledge, but it will be that it will go deep into our hearts and, and into our spirits and that we'll leave this place different people, Father. We, we, I can prepare as much as I like, Father, but, but we need you to just uh, flow this morning and meet with people where they're at right now. And so, Father, we, we commit this next half hour to you and we pray for the children. We pray you're blessed and we thank you for those young lives, Father, that are hearing your word in all kinds of different ways this morning, Father. And we pray you sow deep seeds in their hearts. We pray for each one of them that they'll, they'll grow up to know you and love you and, and understand your Father heart towards them. And Father, in this moment as we, as we pray, Father, we want to remember the prodigals particularly those of us who, who have prodigals in our families right now who, who maybe knew you once and had turned away or, or those who've never known you. Father, we just want to name them before you right now and say, Father, will you, will you be... Well, Father, for one thing, we know you're at work in their lives already. You're at work in their lives already. And Father, we pray that you will draw them back to yourself, that they will come into a full knowledge of you and a relationship with you, Father. And Father, we pray for, for those who've been damaged in the past, who've been hurt. Father, we pray you heal their wounds and we pray that you'd make a way where they can know you and love you again. So Father, we, 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 we thank you we can worship you in this place this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, please be seated. Um, I'm Simon. I'm the, the church leader here. Um, I have the privilege of leading this uh, wonderful church this morning. We know one or two of you have, are new today and have um, put children in, in crash. I think I think you just to, just to say that um, if you can give the crash guys and the, and the Sunday school guys information on who you are and your mobile number when you uh, take them up there, and don't forget to collect them as well at the end, uh, uh, just around about twelve o'clock. That would be uh, that would be especially helpful, um, <laughs> and I'm sure they'd appreciate it too. Um, Good. Well, it's Father's Day, isn't it? And um, I received a few cards. I, I have five children. Uh, five children. Seven grandchildren and one on the way. And I received three cards this morning. Five children and I received three cards this morning. I hope this is being recorded by now. For my, for my daughter's sake. Um, it's normally my sons who completely forget and never do them, but my daughters today have, uh, have let me down a little bit. But this is from one of my sons, and I thought I'd read it to you because uh, there might be an element of truth in this card. Um, da <laughs> Dad hated nuisance phone calls, but he felt he had to make the effort. They were his kids after all. So, um, yes, indeed, that's from my son Stuart and 
grandkids. So, um, yes, there's maybe a little bit of truth in that. I mean, those of us who've, who've got um, young kids, you're not going to get phone calls. But just for those of you who've got younger children, just to encourage you, you know, they never grow up, basically. And, uh, and when the phone rings with some of them, we think, oh, my goodness, now what's happened? Or, oh, my goodness, do they need cash? Or what's the latest crisis that's going on in their world right now? When With one or two of my children, that's what happens. I think, oh, my goodness, what now? Um, but anyway, um, you've got that to come. You think you're gonna, you think when they're 18, it'll all be over? No, that's when it starts normally. Um, but it's all good. Um, well, Father's Day, it's... Um, I want to talk about, um, do you know who your father is? And, um, and by the way, just to say, we've, we've handed out these magazines, so I don't want to see anybody reading them while I'm preaching, Duncan. Um, I can see you. This is a great thing with this theatre, isn't it? I can see what you're doing all the while. I, I think you're taking notes on your phone, but you're on Facebook, aren't you? Just seeing what's happening in the world. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Yeah, so, so do you know who your father is? This is a, a sort of blog post I wrote, I don't know, three or four years ago. And um, I sort of updated it this week and had a good look at it. And uh, I really want to talk about the whole thing of... Um, knowing who your father is and, 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 you know, really share some personal stuff about my experiences um, as um, a child of fathers and um, appreciating that, that today, as, as Chloe prayed so beautifully earlier, is, is a difficult day for some of us, you know, with, uh, with, with fathers who've maybe passed away. Both my fathers have, have passed away. Um, and for those who, you know, Maybe you have bad relationship with your fathers and all the other stuff that goes on around parenting and fatherhood. And um, so I want to talk a little bit about my background. One or two of you will know a bit about it, but just share very openly and honestly from my heart, really. And um, so I had two fathers. So I, I have a, um, a birth father, I had a birth father, uh, had an adopted father who adopted me in Leicester when I was about six weeks old. And, um, you know, my fathers are precious to me. And, uh, you know, so I, I, but it's been a bit of a strange situation, really, having two fathers. Not many people have two um, fathers. And my adopted father, a Christian, um, adopted me at six weeks old, uh, gave me my love for football, although that's disputable since Leicester have been relegated. Uh, road trips and camping and, and faith, and he encouraged me in retail, and later as I headed into ministry, and... Um, so, so I had this amazing father who, who, who brought me up and, and taught me about the faith along with my mother. Um, and he passed away sadly during the lockdown, during the first lockdown. And so my heart goes out to people who never saw that their, their loved ones. He was in hospital. I never got to see him. We weren't allowed to go leave Birmingham. So my heart goes out to anybody in that situation that a couple of years ago. But as I, as I grew older, um, I desperately wanted to know who my real father was. I suspect that all uh, adopted children have that sort of longing. I knew who my mother was. I'd found her a few years earlier, but there was something in me that I, I just wanted to know who he was. And I can remember at times, you know, I'd be walking down the street or I'd be in a different town or something and I'd see men coming towards me and, I, you know, just walking shoppers and that sort of thing. And I think to myself, I wonder if that's my dad. I wonder who my dad is. I wonder if he's alive. I, I, I you know, I, is that him? Does he live in this town? You know, where does he live? You know, what, what's going on? And I wanted to know where my, where my roots were from. And, um, you know, and, and did I have family anywhere else? You know, was there another family out there? We've all lost, we've all watched sort of long lost family and all those kind of 
programs, you know, where people discover their families. And I had this adoption form that they, they put together when I was adopted. And it's basically a sheet of A4. And it, it just said a little bit um, about me. And it said a little bit about my mother and a little bit about my father. And, and all it really said was that about my father was that he, he was a very similar build to me. Um, he, he was um, American. He was based at an air base in Leicestershire, Bruntingthorpe. And um, he was from Omaha, Nebraska, and his name was Gabriel Michael Corey, um, some name um, for him. And, and so I, I'd wondered about this for years and, and, and wanted to find him and, and yet was very aware that he, he might have a family, he might have a wife, he might have children that they might not know about me, that if I did discover him and made connections that it might wreck his marriage and all that kind of stuff uh, going on. And then in, in 2001, I went to a, um, a, a pastor's conference in Toronto and they had these things called um, prophetic presbyteries where um, you basically booked an appointment and, some, and these uh, groups of three people would, would prophesy over your life. And I thought, well, I'm up for a bit of that. Let's see what happens. I'll, I'll go. And so I made my appointment and ne that's never happened to me before or since. I've never done, I've, not, I've never even heard of it. Um, so I went for my appointment and they got this little dictaphone and these three ladies are sat there and they, they just paused for a moment and started praying. And then, and then they started praying over my life. And, um, and it was so spot on for my life. I mean, it was, I was just wasted. I was just crying and I couldn't believe how, how, how spot on it was. And then this lady had to say it. She said, everything is right on. Knowing who your father is, is important. Knowing who your father is, is important. How would she have known that unless, you know, God had showed this lady that? And so once that had happened, I just knew I'd got to find my, my father. I knew that, you know, God wanted me to find my father. I got the freedom to do that. And so the next year, sort of early days of the internet, I started searching for him and, um, and I found him on the internet. The guy who I thought was my father because there was uh, this Gabriel Michael Corey who was in his 60s and um, there was a Gabriel Michael Corey Jr. in Omaha. And I thought, well, this must be this guy in Nevada. Must be him. So, so then you think to yourself, what am I going to do? Do I pick up the phone? Do I ring him? What if his wife answers? You know, what, what on earth? You know, do I do it? Do I, do, I, do I potentially, you know, wreck someone's marriage? You know, but I, I want to know who my father is. I want to, I want to know this guy. And uh, to cut a long story short, around about Father's Day, I, I just felt I'm going to ring him and I hope his wife doesn't answer or a lady doesn't answer or anything like that. So, so I, I, I pick up the phone and I ring him and this lady answers. It's like, oh don't believe this um so she answers and asks who I am and I said you know I'm from the UK I want to speak to Gabriel um to Gabe and she says oh he's out at the moment would you like his cell phone number so like yeah yeah give me his cell phone number so I rang him up and the first time I I rang him he put the phone down on me I didn't get a chance to really say very much. I think he thought he was some salesman trying to sell him something. He was a bit deaf anyway. Um, and I thought, well, what am I going to do? So then I, then I thought, well, I've come this far. I might as well give it another try. So, so I rang him again and, and, uh, and, and he sort of said, who is this? And uh, I said, well, my name's Simon. I'm, I'm from England and um, I think I'm your son. Um, and uh, I said, we, were you at Bruntingthorpe Air Base in the early 60s? And he said, well, yes, I was. And I knew there was somebody out there. 
And uh, so I'd found my father. It was just the most amazing moment. And we chatted for, for ages on the phone. And uh, we just started, got a website at our church in Crewe. And there was a photo of me on it. And all the family were looking at it that evening and saying, there's absolutely no need for DNA because I'm absolutely the, the split of my father, the absolute split of him. And um, I think we can put a picture up there of him. That's what Julia's got to look forward to. <laughs> <coughs> In years to come, I've still got, I'm not going quite that great yet. Uh, but that was taken at, um, at Thanksgiving, um, in 2016. And sadly, he died about, uh, what, three or four years ago, uh, now. But that was the last time we went to the States to meet our family. And if you put the next slide up, you'll see me with him and my two half brothers in a sports bar in Omaha. Um, the last time we were all together in 2016. At, at Thanksgiving. So, um, so I found my father and, um, I discovered on the back of all that, that, um, to my amazement that my family, uh, my, my, uh, grandparents were immigrants through Ellis Island, uh, that they were Syrian immigrants. And, um, the name Corey was spelled K-H-O-U-R-I. And the name in Syrian means priest. So way back in my history somewhere, there is someone who was a priest. And uh, the family historian told me that the family actually goes, the family tree goes right back to Solomon, actually, which is quite amazing. And here's the final thing I'll say about my father, because I need to go on with the rest of the message. Um, I'm told that the family came from a place called Bayet Lahaya, which is in the Gaza Strip. And... Um, I googled it when I got back from America and just the only thing that Bayet Lahaya is famous for is that it's the headquarters of Hamas. So, um, anyway, moving on. Um, I'm not sure that's a claim to fame or what, but I want to ask the question because it's a question that, that I was asking myself. Do, do you know who your father is? Do you know who your father is? I didn't know who my father really was. And um, I'd got this name. I, I knew he was American. I knew he was possibly out there somewhere. And um, I wanted to know who my father was. And I, and I just sense as for some of us today, really, maybe we don't really know who our father is, our heavenly father is. And as I look back on my life, I, I realized that Father God has had his eye on me from even before I was born. This is the amazing thing. And there's this uh, wonderful verse in, in um, Psalm 139, well-known. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I love that last line. It's amazing, isn't it? To, to think about that, that our lives mapped out in front of us, all of them were written in God's book, in God's plan before they came to pass. Now, here's the interesting thing. On my adoption sheet, my birth mother, who, who passed away actually last December, put this, it would be in baby Paul's interest, that was my name, Paul, um, interest if he had a father. That amazing. God had his eye on me before I was born, when I was in my mother's womb, when my mother was thinking what to do about this illegitimate child. And she says, 
he needs a father, little knowing that I would be adopted into a Christian home with a Christian father where I'd be introduced to my heavenly father. That amazing. I want you to know that, you know, father knows all about you. God, your father knows all about you. He had his eye on you before you were born. All the days ordained for you were written in his book before one of them came to pass. Isn't that incredible? This father. And sometimes we, we look at our lives, we wonder what on earth is going on when stuff's kicking off. And I just want to remind you, you know, first of all, that God's eye was on you before you were born. Putting people and plans and purposes into place. Amazing. You see, you may not feel like you have a father and, you know, I'm, I'm one of these guys now without a, a, a living father, having a heavenly father. But Psalm 68 verse 5 says this, that I'm a father to the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. I don't know whether we have widows here today. There's a wonderful promise for widows there, but God promises to be a father to the fatherless. One of my friends who's, who's a minister, um, his father died this week just before Father's Day. Bless him. I sent him a message this morning. He's a father to the fatherless. And 2 Corinthians 6.18 says this, I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. You know, one of the things I've, I've come to realize is the revelation of God as father is one of the most important revelations we can have in our lives, that he is our Father, we live in this, what some have described as this orphan generation where so many fathers have been absent and, and sometimes mothers as well, sometimes deserted their children. And, and so the result is that some have experienced fathers who have been a poor misrepresentation of, of Father God. And God, I want to say this morning, is not like our earthly fathers, however great they are, however wonderful they've been. He is the most amazing loving father and you know I look back on my life and I'm just so grateful to him for the plans and purposes he made for my life through my mother before I was born thinking about what she was going to do with this baby and maybe you've had a bad experience of your of your parents and uh, maybe a poor representation of of who God is but we must always remember I remember Rob Parsons of Care for the Family saying this years ago that that, that parents are just kids who grew up and had kids. And that's true, isn't it? Those of us who are, who are parents today, we, you know, there's, there's, there's very, there, we didn't get any training. Nothing prepares us for it. And maybe we could do a course or something or read a book or whatever, but nothing prepares us for it. We are kids who grew up and had kids, people with L plates on learning how to be um, parents. And when you were growing up, can I say this this morning, your parents may have been going through stuff they may have not known better. They didn't do any classes. And, and sometimes, you know, we can look at our parents and judge them, but we must make a choice to forgive. We don't know what was going on back then. I look back at my life and I think, where would I be without Father God? Where would I be without my relationship with Father God? And I want to encourage the men today, particularly, to build, to develop that relationship with Father God. All of us need to do it. But I find men sometimes just struggle with that relationship with God. You know, I didn't have a close connection with, my, with either of my uh, earthly fathers. 
course, one was in America, so I didn't see him very much at all during the time that I knew him. But but my my earthly father in Leicester, you know, I, we were so different in so many different ways. And so I didn't get this close dependency on him. And I think I, I set my heart as, from an early age just to really love God and know God and worship God and, and be open with God and pour my heart out to God and rely on God and for God to be my father, to be my friend. We've just been singing that, haven't we, in the, the goodness of God. The Father, and he's my friend, my closest friend. That's who God is to me right now. God's a closer friend to me than Julia, and that's not to disrespect Julia, but he's the one I rely on for nearly 60 years now. He's the one I talk to. And I encourage you guys to get close to God, to develop this Father relationship with him this morning as we go on. So can I ask you who, you who your father is? I think there's six misconceptions about God as father, and particularly if we've had a bad experience of our earthly fathers and mothers. The number one is that God is a harsh di disciplinarian. You know, that he has lots of rules. You know, he has loads of rules and I keep breaking them. Or maybe you've come to that point where you, where you just think, well, I don't think God likes me very much. I look back at my life and I don't think he likes me. I think of everyone in this room, he's got something against me for some reason. And some of us will have experienced parents who, who didn't like us very much or, or had loads of rules or had dark moods, who were harsh, who were um, with over-the-top discipline. I remember my mother was, was so strict, so strict. We couldn't breathe. It felt like at times we breathed the wrong way, we'd be in trouble. Parents who've been aggressive or even abusive or, or inconsistent or unjust at times, where you felt that nothing you ever do is right, where there's a, where there's a complete lack of love and encouragement and affection and, and cuddles. And I want to say this morning, God is not like that. This is a misrepresentation of God. The Bible says he is perfect love. He's slow to anger and abounding in love. He loves and accepts us, even when we mess up. He loves and accepts you. Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says this, I've loved you with an everlasting love. I've drawn you with unfailing kindness. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. Isn't that lovely this morning? God lavishing his love on us that we're children of God. You know that this morning? You're a child of God. He's your father. He loves us so much. He calls us his children. Number two, that God isn't there when I need him. That's another misrepresentation. Many children have grown up experiencing the absence of a father, sometimes tragically through death, sometimes just the demands of, of their parents' work life, career, leisure, activities, hobbies. Perhaps you today, all, you broke, all, you, all you've grown up with is, is lots of broken promises, hours of loneliness and neglect. Parents who, who never showed up at football matches, assemblies, or, 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 or were preoccupied with lots of things, being present and yet absent. And this is what happens. This is what I've discovered over the years as I've, I've counseled people and taught with people that when, when parents have been absent, when we, we get that sense that... Um, that God's not there either. And, um, I think for some of us, we, we struggle to experience God's presence. And some of that sometimes comes because we've not had a present mother or a present father. And, and so we find it hard to connect with them and we find it hard to connect 
with God, you know, where we can't seem to feel him and he seems absent. We're used to that. We assume it will happen with God as well because our parents were never there. And one of the things I want to encourage you to do this morning is forgive your parents. You know, one of the things, one of the things that I've discovered in my own life, because I've experienced rejection from my parents, is that forgiveness is so important to experiencing God's presence in a deeper way. When we're worshipping, experiencing his presence. When I'm praying, experiencing his presence. Now, it's important to say that, this, that, you know, we, we don't always feel God or sense God. I don't always feel God or sense him. I'm stood on the front row with me, arms in the air. Sometimes I sort of think, oh, it's just, you know, the presence of God, I can feel God. Other times I can't feel anything. You know, it's just, you know. But there are times where I feel God come real close. And sometimes something that will inhibit that is this whole thing of, of, um, absent parents and the truth is this to correct this is that God isn't preoccupied he always has time for us always has time for us maybe your earthly parents didn't he always has time for us he is everywhere present omnipresent and just as much presence now as he was when you took your first steps through the highs, through the lows, through the victories and the failures, the hurts, the battles, the disappointments, the loneliness at times, God is always present right through our lives. And God has always been there for me. I've found whenever I've needed him at some of the lowest points, during some of the fiercest battles, during the bereavement of loss I've experienced in the last year, two parents and aunts, three close friends, six people in four years I've lost. God has been there with me at those lowest points. It's always been there. And God needed to remind Joshua several times, I've put, this, put these verses, as with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. It may feel like God's forsaken you, God's forgotten you, but the promise of scripture says this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And the second one as well, the words of Jesus, final words to the disciples. And surely I'm with you always, always. So don't believe these lies that, you know, that God isn't with you, that God's forgotten you. He hasn't at all. Number three, that God breaks his promises. This is an important one as well, because some of us have had parents who've broken promise after promise after promise as we were growing up. Broken promises about at Christmas and at birthdays and holidays and trips and toys and time and saying tomorrow we'll do this and tomorrow we'll do that and tomorrow never comes and we've spent our early years being let down and seeing promises uh, broken and, and sometimes this having an impact on our relationship with God where because our parents have done it, we expect God to do it too. It's a misconception that God cannot be trusted to keep his promises. Why do I say this? Because the word of God says this, the Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. And the second one as well, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ Jesus. He is faithful to his promises because your parents let you down. Don't think for one moment that God is going to let you down. And yes, some of us have experienced seemingly unanswered prayers. We perhaps feel God has let us down, that maybe rather than being a good, good father, as we sing, that, that he's this bad, bad father. But that's not true. That's not the character of the God. And the enemy, the devil, would want us to think like that. But that is not who God is. 
And that's why I wrote that book a few years ago now about Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And, you know, the thing we have to do with our lives is this. We've got to trust him. That he knows what's best for us. He knows what's best for us. And he never breaks his promises. Number four, that God is mean. I don't know what your childhood experiences were like, uh, but we were living in austerity when I was a child. We talk about austerity today. My dad was obsessed with paying his mortgage off. I mean, in many respects, it was a good example to pay his mortgage off, but we, we just never had anything. And we, we, never, we never did anything apart from pay the mortgage off. I mean, we, we had one packet of digestive biscuits that had to last the whole week for three children, for five people in the house. And I love digestive biscuits. So that didn't help. And one bottle of homemade lemonade that would last for the whole week. That's how life was. There was nothing to snack on. We didn't have snacks. We have a cupboard in the, you know, in the kitchen where you go and help yourself to little packets of sweets or Oreos or, or I don't know, crisps, um, ice creams in the freezer. We never had the stuff the kids had today. And to cap it all, my dad, because he was in this austerity thing, he, he didn't, he, he didn't buy a four wheel drive car, a, a car with four wheels. He, I mean, imagine this. He bought a yellow three-wheeler van. The only thing missing from it was Trotter's Independent on the side. I mean, and then he decided that when we go on holiday, because it was a van, he'd convert it and put seats in the back. So he put this plastic seat in the back with a rod across, I can remember it, holding this seat in place. And we used to go down the Foss Way to, to Bournemouth and Pool and down there. And, the, and I mean, around the corners, I don't know how, I mean, on three wheels. I mean, every time I watch Fools and Horses, it's like a, it's like a nightmare flashback of what was happening. But that was the way that he lived. But you know, some of us have had far, joking aside, some of us have had mean parents and and God is a good good father and we just brought this verse up I love this promise in this verse what then just think about this I read this what then shall we say in response to these things if God is for us who can be against us and think about this he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things mate you think about that the ultimate thing was to give up his son Everything else is easy in comparison, isn't it? How, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? It's a great promise. He's already been so generous in blessing us with, with forgiveness and mercy and love and grace. So he's so unlikely to withhold those other things that we need as well. And yet some of us have experienced this as children. Some of us have a, a poverty mentality. We don't expect anything from God. We don't expect anything good to happen. When things start to kick off, we expect the worst because we've lived in this mean atmosphere as we've been growing up. And yet he is a good, good father. He's a good father. He's not mean. And, and listen, I, I was... I don't know about you, but it's been hard sleeping, hasn't it, the last few nights? It's been so warm, hasn't it? And I, I was lying in bed in the early hours this morning and, and, um, and I felt God say this, you know, that, that there'll be some in the congregation this morning who are thinking, well, you know, God, God, you know, God doesn't 
sort everything out for us. And I felt God say, God doesn't always right all the wrongs in this life. That's for eternity. But God is still good because that's his nature. That is his nature. I, the Lord, do not change. That's his nature. He is a good God. But that doesn't mean he's always going to right all the wrongs this side of eternity. Number five, God is distant. I hear it so often people will say that we're not a very huggy family. Anyone here who's not a huggy family? Not a huggy family. You know, as I grew up, I can't ever remember my parents saying to me, I love you. And some of you all are nodding, I can see. I may be doing them, you know, a disservice, but, but I don't think they did. In fact, I don't ever remember them praising me as I grew up. In fact, I can remember my mother saying things along the lines of, you know, well, we don't want to praise you so, or, or you'll get big-headed. And so she went to the other extreme of not praising me at all for anything. And listen to this. The first time I heard my mom was proud of me was at her funeral. Guys, we mustn't be like this with our kids. Affirmation is so important to our children. Let's make sure we let them know that we're proud of them, that we love them, that we accept them, that we affirm them, that we encourage them in what they're trying to do. And as fathers, let's make sure we do that for them. You know, I think boys especially suffer when, when they don't receive physical affection from their fathers. When they never hear, son, I love you, I'm proud of you. My dad in America, he, he, used to, um, he, he used to say, uh, at the end of every phone call, son, I love you, I'm proud of you, say hi to Julia and the kids. Every phone call without, faith, without, without failure, he would say that to me. And remember God's word to Jesus as his baptism and his transfiguration. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So some of us, we, we've got this sense that God is maybe distant and um, it can impact our relationship. Uh, sorry, that our parents are distant. It can impact our relationship with God. And I want to encourage you today to, to, mo- to model father-son intimacy to your children. Or the danger is that we might, they might get that sense that we're rejecting them in some kind of way. And this will help them to discover intimacy with God and to truly know him as father. And you know, for some of you today, you may have issues with your parents and I want to encourage you to forgive them. To forgive them. You know, God set me free from rejection that I felt like I'd experienced from my parents and I discovered the most incredible road of intimacy towards God. I find it easier to relate to him now. He's truly a good, good father. Can we move on to the next slide? And the final one is this that God doesn't accept me. You know, we live in this performance-orientated society. You know, you've got to do well at school or uni. You've got to make the team. You've got to have talents. You've got to be loved. You've got to look great. You've got to be successful. You've got to make money. You've got to be famous. You've got to be a YouTuber, like my grandson said. How how old is Ollie? What is he? Nine. My nine-year-old grandson um, was here a few weeks ago, and um, he was absolutely thrilled that granddad was a YouTuber. Because I've got one or two bits on YouTube, not nothing serious. But he said, oh, everyone wants to be a YouTuber. These are kids that were grow, growing up today. They just want to be um, famous. But there is this whole thing about God doesn't accept me. And, um, you know, I spent many years trying to gain my parents' love and acceptance. My brother was the special one. 
He was the one that my mother adored. And um, it appeared to me as we grew up that he could do no wrong and I could do no right. I mean, if she had only known what I knew. And when she was dying in hospital, I remember um, chatting with my brother and we went out to get, you know, we, we went out to get a coffee in the, in the, in the, um, hospital uh, restaurant we're chatting and 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 I said to him Ben I think do you think we ought to tell mom now some of the things you know that she's not aware of and he was absolutely horrified <laughs> I was only winding him up I wasn't gonna I wasn't ever gonna do it but she never knew and we laugh about it um now but but I realized going through that whole period is a, that that my parents had completely different interests to me but similar ones to my brother and they didn't know how to show their love an acceptance of me. And, you know, we can allow our view of God to be influenced by how our parents responded to us. And the truth is this, to put truth into it again, that God loves us unconditionally and accepts us just as we are. Maybe somebody needs to hear that this morning, that God loves you unconditionally and accepts you just as you are. God's love is not based on your performance. He just loves you. Yes, even you. He loves you just as you are. And nothing you can do, nothing you can achieve, nothing you can work out can make you make him love you any more or any less. And maybe you need to hear that this morning. And for the rebels this morning, any rebels in the house? John. Oh, yeah, there's a few, aren't there? Just put your hands up again so I can make a note. Um, <laughs> the rebels in the house, even in spite of your past rebellion, God loves you. I actually think God has a bit of a heart for the rebels because they're the ones who go and really achieve something in life more, more often um, than not. The psalmist says this, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will accept me. I found that a great encouragement. Looking back on my life and, and, and my experience of life, feeling rejected quite a lot of my life. You know, a difficult thing, you know, your, your birth parents giving you up. And, you know, I didn't know much about what had happened as I was growing up, but I did feel rejected. My adopted parents, so different to me, and a sense of rejection. And reading this, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will accept me. It's a wonderful promise. So do you know who your father is this morning? I just think that God wants to be father to us today. And we, we, we look back at the, at the um, fall of man in Adam and Eve and, you know, through their own sin, they, they caused every one of us in a way to be brought up as orphans, separate from God. We were robbed of that close relationship with him. But Jesus came to reveal the father. You read through the book of John, Jesus came to reveal the father the father heart for us, and to restore that relationship with father, that relationship that was lost in the garden. And I just have a sense today that for some of us on this Father's Day, that we just need that fresh revelation of God as father. So some steps here, we're just going to whip through them quickly, I think, because I can see you're all getting warm and I am as well. So, um, and you can read this on the blog, actually. Some of this is on the blog. So number one, we just need to acknowledge our need. And just ask God and just say, God, you know, I just want this fresh revelation of who you are. Will you just reveal yourself to me in a fresh way? And, and maybe there's stuff, maybe your heart's a bit hardened. Maybe just say to God, you know, soften my heart. I want this fresh revelation. I want, I want to, I want to know you as you truly are. Number two, just be honest with God. Tell him how you feel. 
you know, sometimes we, we just suppress all that stuff from the past. Those hurts, those emotions, the way we've been treated, the way we've felt about our parents. It's good just to be honest with God and bring them before God. You may want to do that later in your, your own personal time. Number three, forgive those who've hurt you. Sometimes we have to forgive our parents. I had to forgive my parents, all four of them. And as I, as I began to do that, God started to break through and I experienced more of a, a better relationship with God, my father. Maybe we need to forgive absent parents. Maybe we need to forgive, to, to forgive those we blame. Maybe your parents have split up and, and we've apportioned blame to one party or the other. Maybe, uh, number four, we need to ask God's forgiveness. You sinned, ask Father's forgiveness. Maybe for wrong attitudes, for bitterness, for hate, for judgment, for resulting pride, for jealousy, independence, even separation. Now, can I say this this morning with all tenderness? It's wrong for a Christian to be so angry with a parent that they won't forgive them. And we have to forgive them have to make a start and the thing that I say to people all the time with this thing of forgiveness and and if it's something big if there's big stuff there where people have sinned against us really badly that we have to make a start somehow and this has been my experience in my life is that we we just verbalize it to begin with we say I forgive them you know not out loud in front of people to embarrass ourselves but when we're talking to God just say, I, I forgive mom, I forgive dad, whoever it is, I forgive my boss, forgive them. And what I've learned is that, and somebody taught me this years ago, is that when there's bad stuff gone on, that you just keep forgiving. Every time you get a flashback, every time you get a memory, every time you think of them, every time you get angry, every time you feel hurt, every time their tears flow, you just say, I forgive mom, I forgive dad. And this is what happens. It goes from a head decision to your heart. It may not happen immediately, but this is just a fabulous strategy from God to help us to forgive. Because sometimes when we first forgive, it's almost like, I forgive. You know, it's like forced. I've been, listen, I've been there with this stuff. I've lived it. But this is what happens after a while. It goes to your heart. And you know what happens after a few weeks or months? You suddenly think, I haven't had to say I forgive them for a while. And you know what's happened? The healing's happened in your heart. God's done that work. So I just encourage you this morning, you know, you may need to forgive a parent, but don't allow the enemy to snare you with unforgiveness. Number five, receive the Father's love. You know, God just wants to pour his love into our hearts through his Holy Spirit, Romans 5, 5 says. Just receive his love. You know, when you've done this, you've acknowledged your need, you've been honest with God, you've forgiven those who've hurt you. You've asked God's forgiveness of your wrong attitudes and your unforgiveness. And then you just say, God, just pour your love into my heart again. Just fill me with love. You know, where that, where that, where that, all that horrible stuff was, replace it with your love. Number six, think God thoughts. You know, destructive ways of thinking about ourselves often build up when we've been hurt. So, so get into God's word, quote positive scripture at negative thoughts, retrain your mind, be transformed by the renewing of your mind through God's word. I'll always help you with that if you need any help. And then here's this, the final one, honour and bless your parents. 
I could almost guarantee that some of you have criticised your parents out loud to others. That maybe you've been judgmental about them. I've done it. What we've got to learn to do is honour our parents. Make a decision to honour them. To be a blessing to our parents if they're still alive. Why? Ephesians 6 verse 2 says this, Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Honour your parents. No matter what experience you've had, honour them. Thank God for them. So, on Father's Day, gone a little bit over time, I believe we all need this fresh revelation of God as Father. And so, just as we close, we're just going to play this lovely um, video. If we could turn the lights down and get this video um, lined up. Can we go full screen with it when, we, when you get it up there so everyone can see it? Ah, that's good. Yeah. Let's watch this together and just allow this to minister to you. The words you are about to experience are true. They will change your life if you let them. For they come from the very heart of God. He loves you. And he is the father you have been looking for all your life. This is his love letter to you.
because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts toward you are countless as the sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul, and I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart, for it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine, for I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are broken-hearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day, I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I'll take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your Father, and I love you even as I love my Son Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my Son Jesus, you receive me, and nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home, and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father, and will always be father. My question is: Will you be my child? Stand together, shall we? Maybe we can get the band back. Just so, Father, we as we draw this service to a close, Father, we we just want to say to you this morning: we want to be your child. I want to be your child. I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter this morning, Father. We just pray for a, that you will just come in and that we will have a fresh revelation of who you are as Father. And Father, for those who maybe struggled through this talk this morning and are aware that stuff's happened in their past, Father, we just pray that you will take them on a journey of healing and surrender and forgiveness and, uh, and allowing you just to, to bring the healing that only you can bring. And Father, we, we just pray, Father, will you just fill our hearts with your love this morning on this Father's Day. Fill us and refresh us. And may we leave this place with that fresh revelation of you as Father. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>